Welcome to 49ers Camelot, the show that is 49ers based, but it's brand new. So you can still decide if you like it or hate it. Uh, last week we had John Chapman of 49ers Rush. Today we have Ted, Ted from Ted Talks Ball. I know that you've seen him on Twitter. You probably watched his stuff. Uh, love this guy. He does great work. Great writer puts out a lot of content and so i hope that uh hope that you're following him ted tell us where they can find you hey mark thanks for having me on i'm a real honor to be an early guest on your show i'm excited that, that you finally decided to do this we all were kind of wondering like when's mark gonna make his own show because yeah, you I'm deserve late. to have one <laughs> and uh i think people are gonna love what you do so i'm excited for you excited to be a little part of it here. So thanks for having me. People can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at TedH6, uh, on YouTube, uh, Ted Talks Ball. You can see that there in the headline. Um, you know, I, I, those are the two main places. I have an Instagram account, but it's really more to drive uh, traffic to, to uh, uh, YouTube, which is my you know main thing that I'm trying to promote. You put out a lot of stuff. I mean, I see articles that you write i see podcasts like where do you find the time to do all of this well i mean i've been uh very busy it definitely takes a lot of time (laughs) uh you know arranging the uh the shows and then uh you know doing them and then putting them out to different uh sources putting them out to uh instagram and facebook and whatnot um it's been it's been a it's been a full-time effort luckily i work from home so i've had some time to dedicate to it and then still found time to uh continue to be a technical recruiter as well but uh trying to make it so that i can do this full-time that's the goal yeah, uh, someday that's cool it takes takes some time to get it done though yeah last week when i talked to john chapman he's he's doing it full-time and you know, and that's great. He's, he's so good and he's, and he's great working with, with others and helping new, uh, new YouTubers, new podcasts, uh, you know, getting exposure for them. So he's, he's such a great guy, but I, you know, I told him like, I don't know. I, I love the 49ers. So would I ever want to do this full time? I don't know. Cause then it's a job, you know, like right now it's not a job. And, but I've heard you say, that, that that same thing that like you you love doing this and so it's like you're you're not working so uh that's that's great and i i wish you the best because you deserve it and you're doing great stuff so let's jump in because uh we have some things to talk about from the 2022 season and from uh, you know looking forward to uh, what lies ahead for the 49ers so Let's talk 2022. What did you take away? What were some of the things that that you walked away from the 2022 season uh, thinking, man, this 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 is a big thing? Well, obviously, Christian McCaffrey was a huge pickup for us. Um, and it was great to see Brock Purdy come in and run that offense better than anyone has since Kyle's been here in San Francisco. Those were the two takeaways on offense. I mean, Looking outside of the 49ers, I looked at the Super Bowl teams this year, the mm-hmm. Eagles and and the Chiefs, and they probably have the two best offensive lines in football. Um, so I would like to see us work on our offensive line to improve that. Um, you know, other takeaways would be, 
you know, Bosa needs some help on that D line. We need another yeah. defensive end to to go on the other end. Whether that's Drake Jackson, uh, if he can uh, come up in his second year a little bit better, uh, I think we need something a little more concrete, though something a little more proven to rely on. And then uh, I think Eric Armstead needs help too on the inside. Kinlaw is just too unreliable with that knee. Um, and so those are some of my big things that I'll be looking for in the off season would be uh, r- right tackle, uh, defensive tackle and defensive end. And then I would throw in one more, which would be tight end. I've kind of wanted a tight end since the 2020 draft and uh, one who can block and one who can catch. And uh, some people will say, oh, it's a you know reaction to the Hassan Reddick injuring Purdy. That's part of it. But ultimately, this is something, like I said, I've been wanting 2020 draft, 2021 draft, 2022 draft. So maybe I'll get it in the 2023 <laughs> draft. We'll yeah. Yeah. You know, we saw last night uh, during the Super Bowl that even though Philly has this great defensive line, a great offensive line, which is what the Chiefs have, kind of shut them down. You know, did, did they even sack Mahomes once? I, I don't recall them getting to him. But they they may have, but I, I don't remember getting to him. So I think that that's huge. And so a great offensive line. We saw that back when Jim Harbaugh was here, the best offensive line in in football during that time. And because of that, they were they were one of the prominent teams in the league. So so yeah, you're right. Uh, and when when I had John Chapman on last week, you know, I asked him, hey, what do you think they need to do to to take the next step. And he said, defensive line, that was, that was his thing. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. The offensive line, defensive line for sure. So I asked John this question and I want to ask you, because I think it's a really interesting question. What is one thing that happened in 2022 that you think could impact the team down the road? It could be something like, Trey Lance having another setback, and so it's going to take him yet uh, even longer, or it could be Brock Purdy's emergence. Uh, John, I asked John this question, and he, his choice was the emergence of Talanoa Hufanga. He just he thinks that that's a huge, uh, huge thing for the 49ers moving forward. So what would your your one thing be that uh, that you really think is going to benefit them or hurt them down the road? Well, I mean, not to be a downer, but I would have to say Brock Purdy's UCL on his elbow. There's been a lot of back and forth conflicting information. Will it be a Tommy John full replacement? Will it be a internal brace uh, repair? Uh, ultimately, we won't know until February 22nd when, when the doctors open it up and see what they're working with in there. But, you know, if he's not here for the 2023 season, that would be a real negative impact. Um I really like Trey Lance. Uh, I'm really bullish on him. I I believed even before the Purdy injury that Trey Lance at some point would end up, uh, could end up as our number one quarterback because of his higher ceiling. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, week one of 2023, I don't think he'll be ready to take the reins just yet. Mm -hmm. I think it'll take more time and maybe he'll get the time to do that and maybe he can prove it. But I, I would love to have both of them healthy. And that's one thing that I see being a potential negative, uh, in 2023. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm with you with, with the Trey thing. I mean, I think probably if, if Brock Purdy, if the surgery goes like they're hoping and come September, he's ready to go. 
I, I'm curious, like if, if they're going to have any kind of quarterback competition, I kind of think that they're not going to, that he's going to be the guy. And I base that some, some of that has to do with the fact that Kyle Shanahan calls plays differently when Brock Purdy is in there versus when Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo is in there. He takes more chances, which tells me he trusts him. The other thing is what Matt Mayoko uh, said last week that some that a 49ers player told him. Now this is this wasn't a, a shot at Trey Lance. It was there was discussion. Uh, this was before Tom Brady retired, so there was discussion on whether Brady might come to the 49ers. And there was a player that told Mayoko there are going to be a lot of pissed off people in here if Brock Purdy's not the guy. And so the way that Matt took that was not, that wasn't shade at Trey Lance, but rather, hey, don't bring somebody in from the outside. Uh, you know, we have the guys that have this. And so that kind of makes me think that Brock is going to be the guy that they pick. And so maybe he's QB1 now, but in a few years, I think that, that it's very possible that Trey Lance is going to be better than him. Is that kind of how you see it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that even if Trey comes in and does really well in OTAs and camp and preseason, it's really hard to overtake Brock because he has the six straight wins in the regular season plus two playoff wins. I mean, the guy's never lost a game he's finished. <laughs> so it's really hard for, for Lance to beat him out. The only thing I would say when, when we're trying to compare the two that makes it a little more difficult is obviously we haven't seen Trey Lance with CMC, with Christian McCaffrey, and we've barely seen him with Kittle. And when Trey Lance lost, our team was struggling, kind of before and after yeah. Trey Lance lost. And when our team wasn't struggling, Trey Lance won. So the gap may not be quite as wide as people think, um, but it's, it's really hard, no matter how well you do during preseason, to take away something from Brock who proved it in the regular season. So yeah, I think, I think the only way is if that UCL keeps him out longer than week one, mm -hmm. or if he is able to come back and then he ends up getting injured again in 2023, which tends to happen to our quarterback. So I think there's a high likelihood that we'll see Lance at some point next season, no matter what, but yeah, I don't see how you could just hand the job to Lance, no matter how well he does in the preseason. Yeah. And you know, there are people that like to point to that Chicago game and say, well, look, they lost. He was terrible. If you look at his numbers, he wasn't any worse than Jimmy Garoppolo was the season before when they played the Colts in another downpour. And, you know, people pick on Trey Lance, but they forget the fact that, you know, remember that opening drive? He took them all the way down, and then Debo Samuel fumbled right inside the five-yard line. So, you know, nobody talks about that, but because he had them in a position to score and, uh, and and they ended up turning the ball over. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that uh, he has really good potential. Now, I think that maybe one of the things that people, they see how, especially in that game, how Justin Fields moved so well and how he just was running away from people. And, and Trey Lance, I've, I even tweeted it at the time that he looks like he's in slow motion. But I think that that's in comparison to Justin Fields. Trey Lance is not a running quarterback like Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson. He's I, I see him as a pocket quarterback who can run. And there's a difference between the two. So 
Uh, what do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about that? As far as you, do you see him as a running quarterback? I see. I mean, I I feel like Kyle kind of played him that way, and yeah. that's what he was at North Dakota State. But the level of competition at, at, at in a one double A school where North Dakota State is sort of like the Alabama of of the <laughs> uh, of that conference. Um, yeah, he was able to kind of truck people and run them over, and you just can't do that in the NFL. Yeah. So I, I totally agree. I would love to see Kyle call a game plan like he calls for Purdy or he calls for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for Trey Lance, where there's more throwing and less. You know, you, you have to run some to establish the threat of the run to make the defense play eleven on eleven football. Mm-hmm. But I think you could probably run a half or a quarter as often. And certainly not so many up the middle. Um, you know, I'd love to see more running out to the edge uh, where it's a little bit safer, where you get more one-on-ones with DBs rather than dog piles with defensive tackles and linebackers. But yeah. the biggest humans on the field, or at least on the defense anyway. <laughs> so, Yeah, I'd like to see him do what Patrick Mahomes did last night on that game-winning drive. You know, when there's uh, when, when the defense opens up and, and there's a hole, uh, you know, take it, you know, that was, that was the, one of the biggest plays of the game, maybe the biggest, uh, last night. So, so yeah, that was huge. The next question that I was going to ask was, uh, do you, are, are you one of the ones that believes that Brock Purdy is QB one or is it still too early? But I, I kind of think you've already answered that. Uh, you're not ready to, to believe that he's the guy. Oh, you know, for 2023, I am. You know, for okay. week one of 2023, if he's healthy, he should be the guy for sure. Uh, you know, QB1 in 2024 or at the end of the 2023 season, you know, it's a little tougher to say, mm-hmm. but it, it'll be tough for Trey to unseat him. Uh, it would take, like I said, a great preseason. And then I think, it's, you know, some some really great games in the regular season too. Trey would need to learn to do some of the things that that Brock Purdy does so well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, his accuracy, I think it has been a big thing. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that Trey's not, uh, not quite there yet, but I've, I've been a little slower coming around on, on Brock Purdy. I like him. I, I want him to succeed obviously. And he's passed every test that I've had so far, you know? So like I said, he needed, to, he needed a, okay. He did great against the dolphins. He needs to beat the bucks in his first start. And then he did that. And, and then he kept on, you know, and then, okay, now, now he's in the playoffs. This is when it gets real. And so he needs to, to be able to beat the Cowboys. And then he did that. And so, you know, I just, uh, I, I was impressed with him all along, but I just, I feel like we've seen over time throughout history, we've seen quarterbacks come on the scene and look like they're the next Dan Marino and, and then they're not. And so I guess I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic because I'm just not sure yet. So that's that's kind of what's uh, what's holding me back. So yeah, and I guess I would say I I see him as QB one vis a vis Trey Lance, but if we had a better option, then I would probably be more like with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was I definitely said all along I'm not a big fan of his height, six feet and a half inch, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have great arm strength. And I just really hope, knock on wood, that this UCL injury doesn't compromise his already sort of marginal arm strength. Um, so those are two things that where I could see a lot of improvement. Also, as you know, we start to pay 
uh, Nick Bosa next season, more than likely, you know, 30 plus million dollars a year, then, you know, we'll probably have less weapons or it looks like our weapons are probably in place for next year, but O-line will probably suffer. Defense will probably suffer. So what the formula that allowed Brock Purdy to be a winner in 2022 may not be there in 2023 and moving forward. So it may require someone with a higher ceiling like Trey Lance getting up to speed. Yeah. Let's say that they get in to perform this surgery and it ends up being a Tommy John. And, and let's say that, that it's going to cost him the 2023 season, or at least the majority of it. Um, do you think that they're going to bring somebody in to potentially compete with Trey Lance? Or do you think that they're just going to turn it over to him and then maybe bring in somebody uh, to, to back him up? What, what do you think about that? I think it'd be both. I think you would have, you would get some sort of a veteran as a backup, a Gardner Minshew, a Jacoby Brissett, a Teddy Bridgewater. Um, maybe if we're lucky, Tyler Huntley from the Ravens. I've always had my eye on him. Ideally, it would be a quarterback with the characteristics that are similar to Trey Lance so that mm-hmm. if Trey Lance gets injured, you don't have to scrap everything you worked on in OTAs and 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 preseason like we did this year when Jimmy came in week two. All of a sudden, everything we worked on all summer went out the door uh, for, you know, for the Trey Lance system. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think we'll pick up some sort of a veteran backup QB, and I think we'll draft another quarterback too who might compete uh, for a starting job. Uh, it's probably unrealistic to think that a late round QB will have success like Brock Purdy did. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe Brian Greasy can find another gem who knows, but you don't expect uh, a David Carr kind of quarterback that would come in and, and be the the starter. Derek Carr. Yeah. Derek Carr. Sorry. Um, we've already had David Carr. (laughs) Yes, we have. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I I, was, I would not want to see Derek Carr uh, unless he <laughs> took a massive pay cut. Yeah. Um, and I guess he probably will. They're about to, it looks like the Raiders are about to release him. Um, I mean, you know, I think he's kind of comparable to Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe at the right price, you know, if we could get him like what we got Jimmy for this year, kind of like that 10 to $15 million range. Sure. I just think he's, he's supposed to make 40, I think he'll probably make twenty five. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, or thirty even. I don't want to pay that much for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be open to whatever. I mean, I think we need good options. And uh, I hadn't really thought uh, about Derek Carr. I mean, there is he was Fresno State. Um, hmm, it's an interesting option. I mean, like like I said, I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, just doesn't get injured as often. So. Yeah. Probably throws uh, deep more often. Yeah, no, I mean that's probably not a bad idea, actually, Mark. I kind of it's kind of growing on me as we speak. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not endorsing it. I'm just uh, wondering if if they might do something like that, depending, like, like you know, like you said earlier, this this surgery uh, that's coming up in uh, just just over a week is going to be a, a really big. Uh, a, a big day for the 49ers to, to see what happens going forward. So speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo, this season ended kind of in an interesting way. First, he uh, wasn't ready for the NFC championship, which I never thought that he would be ready for that game. I, and obviously I'm not a doctor. Don't play one mm-hmm. on TV. 
didn't stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night. So I don't know anything about that stuff, but it just seemed like a, you know, an entry that, that, gosh, it just seemed early to me. But so he did, he's not ready for the NFC Championship game. During the game, when they're being blown out, he's on the sidelines laughing, which probably is meaningless, but it still was something that, that a lot of 49er, 49ers fans have commented on. Then there's the the way that Shanahan talked about him in the press conference where he just kind of seemed to blow off uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And then the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't even around for uh, the, the, the press conferences that uh, the other players were around for. So then Tim, Tim Kawakami comes out with this. I don't know if it was a report, you know, it was part of a mailbag that he was doing for the athletic, but in it, he said something to the effect that just some things that he's heard made him think that the relationship between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, and maybe even John Lynch as well, has gone, has gone South uh, as the season progressed. So do you think there's anything to this or, or do you think that it's just end of the year drama stuff that the 49ers are always seem to, to be in the middle of? I think, I think where there's smoke, there's fire a lot of times. Uh, ultimately, only Jimmy and his doctor really know the truth about his foot. But I will say most bone injuries, uh, broken bones, that is, heal within six to eight weeks. And it was nine weeks from week 12 to NFC Championship game effectively is week 21 of the season. So, you know, here, here's the thing. All right. Um, we don't know, but there's signs. So that's one sign. Another sign is that the Niners never put him on IR. So they expected mm-hmm. him to come back. If right. if they knew he wasn't going to be able to come back, now granted, it could have put him not put him on IR so that he could be ready for the Super Bowl. And it did sound like maybe that was going to be the case, that he would have been ready two more weeks later. So I, I, that I can't speak to. Um, but, but clearly they didn't put him on IR. And yeah, it seems like some of the players, some of the comments like Debo was saying, Boy, if we had just had one more QB, we might have, you know, might have been a whole different result in that game against the Eagles. And that's clearly who he was talking about, about one more QB. Um, so, you know, yeah, I I think if if the Niners had known that Jimmy and Lance weren't going to be back, I think they would have done a better job of finding a backup for Brock Purdy than uh Josh Johnson. Um, I do believe like you know, th- even though they said all along that they weren't going to bring Trey Lance back this season, I always believed that if Trey Lance was healthy and could play, that they would put him in instead of Josh Johnson if mm-hmm. Jimmy or yeah. Brock were to get injured. Right. Um, so I think, you know, ultimately, do you know, and I saw Jimmy smiling on the sideline and I commented on it. I was unhappy with it, especially after seeing him smile after the Broncos game when not only did we lose, but he was a big reason that we lost that game like (laughs) like i'm not going to sit here and say trey lance is a big reason we lost in chicago like you said it was the defense uh you know 100 yards and penalties the uh uh drive extending penalties on every single bear scoring drive uh debo the 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 fumble lost fumble in the red zone that uh was three to seven points off the board Mm -hmm. but jimmy you know in denver was a big contributing factor to that loss stepping out of the end zone the fumble the interception um 
So it's not a good look. I do, yeah, I think I think that's probably why the relationship soured is because Kyle thought Jim Jimmy was going to come back, and then you know people say, oh well, Teddy had the walking boot on, so he couldn't have come back. And I <laughs> I don't know I don't know if you're old like me, Mark, but like I remember <laughs> a Brady Bunch episode where the guy. <laughs> had the, the neck brace on and Mike Brady dropped <laughs> yeah. the briefcase and he turned his head. <laughs> oh, All right. That's great. You can, you can wear these things to make it look like you're injured and you know, you're just kind of faking it. And I'm not saying Jimmy did that, but I'm saying he could have. All right. So ultimately, um, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm glad he's going and I'll just leave it at that. We don't, we don't know what really happened, but um, I'll just say that it doesn't seem far-fetched that that's mm-hmm. happened to me. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the part of me that, that thinks, well, he, you know, he's a, gonna, about to be a free agent. Uh, he probably wants to protect himself from getting injured again uh, so that he can have a big payday. But then again, there is the the part of him that last year played with a jacked up thumb and a jacked up shoulder, and and he was the starter, and so I, I realize that's different. But but yeah, I I agree that there's probably something to it when uh, when when different people are saying similar things and great uh, great Brady Bunch reference. Um, <laughs> and, and you know you know ultimately it's like. Some people say, well, he doesn't owe us anything. We didn't have any money guaranteed for him next season. And I get that if it's like a meaningless game at the end of the season, we're out of it. Like why go in there and risk your body for for a a meaningless game? But this is about as far from meaningless as you can get. Um, So again, I don't, I don't know if that's what what happened, but if it comes out, if it ever is determined that that's what happened, then it should really affect his value because if he did it to us, I think he'd be likely to do it to another team as well too. Yeah. So what let's uh let's switch gears and talk defense because obviously uh, D'Amico Ryan's left to go be the head coach of the Houston Texans and the 49ers hired Steve Wilkes from the Carolina Panthers. He was the interim head coach and did a really good job there. What did you think about that hire? You think that's the the right fit? Uh, I heard today uh, some stat that hey, I don't know who put it out but he uh, he blitzes at a higher rate than what the 49ers are used to. So I'll be curious to see if he continues with that or, or maybe his blitz rate uh, in the past has been a result of not having as much talent uh, up front as he has now. But what do you think of that hire? I really like the hire. Uh, when I heard that uh, Vic Fangio was in the mix, I said uh, privately and publicly that I thought we could do better, that um, we could find somebody younger and more dynamic. I think uh, Steve Wilkes is about 20 years younger than Vic Fangio. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a DBs coach. And so now we've got great coaches at all three levels. we got Kosurek uh, for the D-line because he wouldn't go with D'Amico to, to Houston. we got Johnny Hollins, who's a great linebackers coach, who was helping D'Amico coach the linebackers. And now we got Steve Wilkes for the secondary. And I think we're going to need a lot of help in the secondary because, you know, I think Jimmy Ward will walk. It sounds like Deshaun, Tayshaun Gibson might retire. Uh, we don't know when Emmanuel Mosley will be back from his ACL. 
And even if he st- that's if he stays with the Niners, and we don't know if he'll stay with the Niners mm-hmm. either. I think he will, but you know, uh, th- these are some big question marks in our secondary. That's three fifths of our secondary there. Plus, we've got the young uh, Samuel Womack, who I expect to see playing a lot more next season, al- along with Lenore and uh, Mooney Ward, uh, Charvarius Ward there on the other side. So uh, I'm a big fan of Wilkes. Like you said, he did really well in in uh, Carolina. Uh, he got them on a win streak after, uh, you know, Matt Rule was fired the week after we played them. And uh, he got them on a win streak, got them in contention for the NFC South crown, almost got a playoff spot. And, um, you know, then they hired Frank Reich and the players were all up in arms. Like, not all, a lot of the players were up in arms. Yeah. Like, hey, we we, we wanted Steve Wilkes. What are you guys doing? So I, I'm really happy with the hire. I, I, think it's, I think it's a great hire. I liked... Uh, Chris Harris idea too. It's just Chris Harris coming from being a DB's coach. There's less chance of him walking in and just taking over everything and just being like, okay, Kyle, just give me the defense and you just worry mm-hmm. about what you need to worry about. I think Kyle would have had to have been more involved with Chris Harris. So I think that's uh, a benefit of Steve Wilkes. Yeah. And he did that in Carolina without Christian McCaffrey. So trading away probably their best player. Um, and, and yet he still had some success there. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited oh. about that as well. And I guess one last thing that might be a good thing is he may bring some players from the Panthers too. They have a few free agents uh, on their defense and uh, some of them might be good fits for us as well. Yeah. Good. Well, speaking of free agents, uh, the 49ers have, I think 21, unrestricted free agents. Uh, I, I think they have 24 total uh, and three are restricted. Uh, so they'll in all likelihood be back. But of the 21 uh, unrestricted free agents, who who would be at the top of your list? Uh, as maybe, a, maybe a few that you definitely would like to see back. Um, I mean, Almost none of them. <laughs> I mean, really? All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to – I beat up Mike McGlinchey a lot this season, and he actually had a real good season. So if the money's right, I would love to see us keep Mike McGlinchey. Not because I really like him that much, but just because without packaging some picks to move up, I don't know how you get a replacement right tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, to replace him or spending a ton of money in free agency. And I don't think either of those – are attractive options. I'm not wild about McKivitz. I'd love to see us keep Brendel and Brunskill. Uh, Brendel did a good job as a center. He's a good pass blocker. I'd love to see him improve his run blocking or get somebody uh, that we're grooming who could be a better run blocking center. Uh, and then Brunskill, you know, is, is a great fit for any position on the O-line. He filled in, he, he platooned well with Burford and he filled in well for Aaron Banks, which may price him out of our category. But those three would be pretty big for me. Um, I was going to say Amenahu, but the domestic violence charge, unless that somehow clears up, uh, I wouldn't want to re-sign him with that looming mm-hmm. over his head. Uh, even though the initial reports sounded like there was no signs of physical damage when the police arrived and there was no initial uh, medical examination at, at the scene of the event. Um, so, but the girlfriend could have gotten that later. So we don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a risky situation. Other than that, you know, like I said, Mosley, I'd like to keep him. Uh, if there's some way to keep Jimmy Ward, great. I just seems like he's gone. I, I, don't, I don't see him staying. And I'd love to, to keep Tishon Gibson for a year. But if, if he's going to retire, then that kind of ties our hands there. 
and then Bobby Gold. Yeah, that's what I was. So I went from none. I'm up to six, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's hard when you have that many of them on on a good team. You know, you want to bring back as many as you can, but like you like you mentioned, like on on a good team like this, these guys are going to be expensive, and so you know, hopefully hopefully they can bring some of them back uh, at the right, right uh, price point. I'm sure that they will. Um, let me give you a last question. What's your biggest concern for the 2023 season? Um, I would just say probably safety position. Um, I like Talano Hufanga. He's had a real strong start to the season. But he definitely tailed off in the back half of the season. Uh, he seemed to kind of get things under control towards the end. But, um, you know, with losing Jimmy Ward, with losing Tayshawn Gibson, um, that's a concern for me. I think we'll be okay at linebacker with McCrary Ball filling in for Aziz Alshire, especially since that's only for base downs. And mm-hmm. we still have Dre and Fred for nickel uh, packages and, and, and whatnot. Um I mean, the biggest concern, yeah, that would be for defense and for offense. It's it's uh, Brock Purdy's elbow. Um, that UCL scares me. And I guess it, then if Brock Purdy's not ready, then can Trey Lance stay healthy? Because he's obviously had some health issues uh, in limited action already too. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good response. I, I asked John Chapman the same question because I think like, like the other one that I asked uh, of you, uh, that I asked of him, I, I thought uh, I thought that the, that was an interesting question to get your take on that. Uh, his biggest concern was the defensive line, which um, is definitely a concern, especially considering that that has been one of the biggest strengths of this team. But down as the season progressed, it became less of uh, a strength, and so that is that's a concern. Uh, you know, you mentioned safety that one of the things that I asked John was if, if Talanoa Hufunga made this, this big leap, who do you, who do you see that could make another leap like that? And he mentioned Quantrez Knight and that he thought that he would be perfect at the safety position. He took some reps at safety. And so uh, he, he wasn't ready to, to predict that, that Knight would be the 49ers starting uh, free safety uh, in 2023, but uh, he said keep an eye on that. So I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, take uh, from John. But uh, anything else that you want to add? Uh, want to take a shot at Philly fans? Uh, I, I'm, happy, <laughs> I'm happy that they're crying today. Yeah, I definitely. I, I changed my avatar for a little while to that. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, to their coach crying and, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I had a cry Eagles cry banner up for a little while while I was trolling them today. But, um, no, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they want to complain about the grass. Um, and, and, and I guess I can see why they are complaining about it because it kind of reminded me a little bit of the, the snow field in Buffalo where the Buffalo pass uh, rushers couldn't get good mm-hmm. footing to take advantage of a weak Bengals offensive line. The Bengals yeah. were missing their left tackle, their left guard, and their right tackle for that game. And I thought there was no way that they could 
slow down the the, the Bills pass rush. Uh, but the snowy field did it. This wet field in Arizona did kind of help uh, the the Chiefs offensive line a little bit. Um, but ultimately, you know, they want to complain about this holding call at the end of the game. Well, there was plenty of missed calls throughout mm-hmm. the game that were benefiting the Eagles. So, um, you know, and, and the player himself, um, Bradbury, admitted that it was a hold. So I, I think it's it's kind of silly. Um, yeah, you know, they it's didn't a shame have that a, the game ended that way. But They didn't have a problem with the Jimmy Ward uh, called pass interference uh, in the NFC Championship game. That was a terrible call. Uh, because it was he was still still within that uh, five yard uh, limit. So uh, yeah, you know, you never you never want to blame the refs. I mean, things things happen. Calls are missed every single play. But uh, but yeah, I just uh, I think that they're a pretty unclassy fan base, and so I was happy to see them lose. Uh, but, uh, but Hey, listen, Ted, thanks so much. I know you have to go. I appreciate your time. If you haven't started following Ted on, on Twitter, please do great follow on Twitter. Great writer. You can see some of the stuff that he writes and also find him on, uh, on YouTube at Ted talks ball does a lot a lot of stuff. I don't see how he finds time to do this. <laughs> and if you want to find me on YouTube, you can subscribe uh, at 49ers Camelot. Uh, like I said last week, that'll make you my my best friend, and we can uh, we can uh, talk 49ers and and banter and complain and whatever it is that we want to do. But thanks, Ted, for joining us. It's been an honor to have you, and uh, I look forward to working with you again. And uh, thank you guys for joining us and for watching uh, the 49ers Camelot show. Check us out. Make sure you check out Ted Talks Ball as well. Thanks, Mark. Have a good one. You too.